0: Hello, my name is Barbara Avila, and this is my Synergy Autism podcast, where I bring people together to share and communicate regarding autism. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud, where we have other podcasts um, that we what know What we're going to be talking about today for the Synergy Autism um, community is talking about a not banal method, but then how really your um, journey in using it here in the Portland Metro community and um, so, thank you for being here. And I'm here with Kathy Shea Jones. Am I saying it right? She and Jones. She and Close Jones. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> that's and fine. Phoebe McRae. Yes. Hi. Thanks. Excellent. <laughs> so, thank you for being here. I'm going to actually ask you just if you'd be willing to introduce yourselves, kind of say how, where, how has your journey brought you to this place in your career that
1: brings us here in this room? If that's right, whoever wants to go first. I'll start. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, This is Kathy. Um, I have a very practical story which I laugh about now but so the nutshell is I was an elementary school teacher in San Francisco and then Bay Area, San Jose area and I desperately wanted to get out of teaching and not work with children and so for very practical reasons my good friend started this training and she said, "Hey, you should just check this out." And so I sort of did the mental checklist like, "Ooh, this is great for a mom. I can create my own own schedule. It's not classroom teaching." Yeah, so that mm-hmm. was my big well, priority list. If it's
0: okay, can I ask yeah. you, what were your frustrations with classroom teaching? We talk oh, a lot yeah. about, I mean, we, yeah. classrooms and behavior and things like that. So I'd just be curious if you're willing.
1: Yes. Uh, so briefly, I love teaching um, rapport with the kids, being with children. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Yeah. It was the, the stress of having to do everything for everybody mm-hmm. and you know, wanted to be the perfect math teacher and the perfect science teacher and the perfect reading teacher and going to all these workshops and, uh, you know, professional development and having so many opportunities, but not being able to really do it. And all of the adjunct duties, like having, I mean, there was nothing that wasn't asked of a teacher. So it just really looks so good on paper, but it was so stressful. It's like this,
0: um, yeah. Jane of all trades, but Jack of, or what is it, but master of none. Like, that you, you try and be everything for everybody, but you end up not being able to be, like, exactly. this, you know.
1: And some people do it amazingly. Sure. Um, I will say, I'm a really good parent helper. Because I can anticipate perhaps some of the needs that teachers have. And so uh, the teachers really like me when I can come in and say, hey, why don't I just work with this kid or I can work with groups, that kind of thing. But it just wasn't the right profession for me. And so I was desperately looking to get out of that field. Mm -hmm. And when I found this work, again, for very practical reasons, I never considered working with children. I thought, okay, that's done. I'm going to work with athletes maybe or seniors. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's very broad based who can come to us. And then I hopped into this training. and then How did you I, discover it? My good friend, oh. who I played soccer with in college, uh-huh. is an occupational therapist and oh. found out about this work. And, and she started what she, quote, unquote, messing with me. Because <laughs> I have some soccer injuries. And uh, I was feeling better. I went, huh, there's ah. something to this stuff. And then, again, it, f- it fit all the other criteria. Uh-huh. So, again, it wasn't even about the work itself. It really, ha- I mean, it was very practical. And then I yeah. got in there and was in the training and that was my moment of, oh, this is my teaching. Mm. Right? Because we even talk about, there are lessons, we give lessons. It's, it's a learning based method. Yeah. And so then I just felt like, oh, I'm home. This is, Aww. so then it became much more emotional, you know, my calling, if you will. Yeah. Um, so, It's kind of a funny story, and so here I am working with children, of course, and loving it. So, what brought
0: you up to Portland? Then,
1: oh, life, Life. right? I lived in the Bay Area. Then we moved to Bend for five years, and you know, life happened there in Bend, and then we came to Portland in two thousand ten. Nice. And so here I
0: am now. Nice. Thank you for sharing that, (laughs) Phoebe. You ready to share?
2: Sure. (laughs) My name is Phoebe McCray, and how did I come to this method?
3: Yeah.
2: Um. It's a little bit of a long story, but since Kathy told a long story, I, I can tell my story too. Um, so I was living in the Bay Area because my husband had gone back to school and I had two little kids and I had been working as a professional singer and yeah, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> And I still do uh-huh. do that work um, on occasion. And because I was from Canada, I was not allowed to work in the United States wow. at that time mm-hmm. and a friend of mine had said oh wow you are going away for three years to your husband's going to school you could totally train to do something new
0: mm.
2: and I was like hmm and this is kind of interesting because it's like planting a little seed which I think is something of uh, of what we do mm-hmm. in in a not banal method in neuro movement mm-hmm. and somebody my friend good friend had planted that seed of you could train to do something new And I, you can study anything in the Bay Area,
1: which is where (laughs) I was living.
2: And so I spent a lot of time wandering around and saying, would I be interested in this? Would I be interested in that? I'm always interested in learning. So um, studying something new is exciting to me. And I remembered that I'd seen... Do you really want to know all this? I'd seen yes, a documentary definitely. about the brain, yeah. and it was a very early YouTube days where uh-huh. I'd seen a documentary in chunks. I didn't know what it was called. I didn't know who it was about. I didn't. All I could remember were some search terms. I'm uh-huh. Like I was really interested in that documentary, uh-huh. so I searched on YouTube. Tube, the search terms which were things like girl with half a brain seeing without your eyes miraculous brain recovery a phantom pain all this kind of stuff mm. and i searched on youtube and it kept leading me to a not bunny oh
0: interesting
2: and it wasn't until i read this book maybe a year later after i had joined the training uh-huh. that i'm like the only stories in this book are so familiar to me. Mm -hmm. It sounded like the stories from this documentary that I'd Ah, seen. And the book was The Brain That Changes Itself Mm -hmm. by Norman Deutsch. And um which uh it's written by um Norman Deutsch, who's a Canadian. I'm like, oh a little bit of Canadian there influence. (laughs) Um and so I joined the training because I watched her videos and was like this is miraculous work. Mm -hmm. And I had friends who um who had children with, with different kinds of conditions who I was like, this could work, could help my friend's children. Mm -hmm. Um, and like Kathy, I was initially when I was reading up on it, um, I thought, okay, I'm a performer. I was also a violinist. I have violin injuries. I have like all sorts of, of that realm of high performers, people who are really good at what they do. That's my population. Mm
3: -hmm. And then
2: the children happened
3: my own children, <laughs> my own, my own, my own
2: <laughs> children that are in my family and the children that I meet because of a not banal method NeuroMovement, movement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really hard to say no to children because they are so mm-hmm. amazing. And the outcomes that can happen because of this method are like, they're miraculous. And that miracle of the human brain is what really mm-hmm. attracted me to the method. And just a different way of thinking, like a bit paradigm shift about how we function as humans, how we learn, how we are in the world. Yeah. And again, with Kathy saying that it's for everybody because everybody can upgrade, but it's so amazing to see the level of upgrade that can happen.
0: Well, in and the I brain. would bet that mm-hmm. I mean we'll get into kind of what is the method exactly, but um, I would imagine that getting in there with kids, you don't have to, you're not competing against lifetime of habits that people get into so you're kinda getting there alongside natural development that would be so amazing. Am I saying that correctly? absolutely. So yeah I can imagine that being fun to you know I, I, I do it in different ways through parent support and not from a motoric standpoint or neuro movement standpoint so I get really excited when I can see parents helping kids make developmental changes in you know just Alter development just slightly, you know, to make huge gains. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So very exciting. Yeah. We think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> so um, would now be a good time to kind of describe what is the not Banal Method <laughs> and Neuromovement? Would that sure. be all right That's with intense. all of you guys Excellent. to go there next?
1: Yeah. So what is it? Okay, I'll start. It's Kathy again. Um, I would say that neuro-movement is the process of creating new connections. So it's a very simple statement. Mm-hmm. We can access the power of your brain to make amazing change using movement. So we often say movement is the language of the brain.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so using movement, we connect to the brain to help make change, but since we're talking about the brain, the outcomes can happen in everything that the brain deals with. So it can be movement if there's a physical limitation, it can be emotion, mm-hmm. it can be cognition, it can you know, so that's where it becomes so open mm-hmm. in terms of where outcomes can lie, but movement's the access to mm-hmm. the brain. So I'll start with that. Phoebe, do you want to add? Sure. Um,
2: as Kathy was alluding to, it's a holistic practice. Mm -hmm. So that the outcomes can be in all sorts of different realms. And it capitalizes on the fact that we are born with a very limited amount of pre-wired brain. Mm -hmm. And that we are the the learning animal. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Everything we do is something we have learned. So if you have a brain injury or if you have some other condition which is affecting the way you are functioning... You are learning around that condition, mm-hmm. and because we have to learn everything, it means that we can go back and learn a new way of doing something. Mm. Something like a, a racehorse, if it breaks its leg, I'm sorry that racehorse is done, mm-hmm. because they can't, they can't. Um, well, maybe the value of the horse is already so diminished, but they end up like killing those animals right. because those animals cannot learn to do the thing that's been hardwired when they were born. Mm-hmm. If you look at a uh, a guinea pig, I know from personal experience in my own home, what <laughs> happens when <laughs> guinea pigs are born? Or when you have two guinea pigs and they make more guinea pigs.
0: <laughs> I love guinea pigs, but I'm not sure I'd love them that much. <laughs> we it's weren't expecting it. In fact, we yeah, thought we had like two that. females, but uh-huh. now, miracles happen. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah.
2: And... Um, We had guinea pigs and they were running around their cage within minutes of being born. They're all hairy. They're really cute. And they're running around. And you think about a human um, needing to develop almost a whole year before they can ambulate, before they can get themselves around. I mean, there's the rolling, but in terms of walking, it's a higher function for a human. But they have to we all have had to do that and learned how to do that and put all the pieces together make all the connections so that our what we do is what we intend whereas you look at a cow that's born it stands up within an hour of being born right and that's all hardwired in and that can't we're born unfinished. we're born (laughs) unfinished indeed and we capitalize on that Uh in this method because everything we do is something we have learned yeah And everything we do is something we have figured out in some way. Uh And we are here to help you figure out another way of doing, of being you, of Uh moving, of thinking, of emotion, emoting.
0: That is so beautiful. So tell me what a typical session might look like, if it's okay to go that deep. I'm trying to put it together from kind of in theory, Mm -hmm. And help the listeners go
1: to, okay, what does that look
0: look like like? in practice,
1: (laughs)
3: yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, okay, we'll just go back and forth. Yeah, about that? So this is Kathy again. Um, What does it look like? It might be a little bit hard to describe. This would be a great visual, so perhaps Mm. we can put some pictures up. But we have a a table. It looks like a massage table, but it's lower, right? So we're working with someone on our table in a one-on-one session. I mean, there's a whole idea that there's group classes, but we're not talking about that. That's another time. Um, that's good. To but yes, yeah,
2: so, yeah. Um, so that's so a, group classes for people who can um, can follow verbal instructions.
0: But maybe yeah. I think you guys mentioned when I came out to see your site mm-hmm. um, that sometimes you'll do that for parents too. Yes. Is that mm-hmm. true. Yeah.
1: Right.
0: Okay. So anyway, sorry to d-
1: no derail. Problem. Right. So on the table, we uh, we have the child with us close um, or in somebody's lap. Right. Mm-hmm. So the the I'm going to digress just slightly because trust. And Safety is so important. So we're never doing to Somebody we're Mm -hmm. working with someone and connecting so that's hugely important Um, But we're talking to that brain through movement. So if it's through touch so I might we might be just Following the child's movement patterns touching their backs touching their pelvis touching their legs if they're feeling safe and connected and trusting um, of that and and so we have this somewhere between 25 to 35-ish minutes with this small child because your brain can only take so much of learning, right? And so the idea is we're in a, um, a very powerful learning experience. It's not just playtime, but we might be interacting with that child verbally through touch and moving them, feeling where they are able to move. We always start with, um, from where they can. Mm -hmm. This is not about looking at their limitation and what Mm -hmm. they can't do. It's about what can you do Mm -hmm. and what kind of information can we provide in our interaction together so that you can do more. Again, so that's probably hard to visualize. I'm realizing as I'm saying this out loud, but imagine, you know, sometimes we're kind of following on the floor and we're connecting with a child with a toy. It might just be on the table and... Um, using our voice, sing-song, um, playing, touching, connecting. Um, I don't know how else to describe it. It, it. it is hard to just hear what that's like. What do you yeah. d- think, for you? Yeah, so I would
2: add to that mm. excellent description. <laughs> um, thinking about how you learn in the first place and how as an infant you're on the floor usually or you're in the world and you're experiencing gravity. Mm -hmm. You're experiencing your gravity and you are mapping yourself as you have chance to be on the floor doing random what we we know as not meaningless, but often is referred to as meaningless movement of Mm -hmm. just flinging yourself around. You don't have any intentional movement, but the movement that you're doing is starting to map what it is. Map your brain. Your body
0: awareness, where you are in space, space. how you're
2: all connected, how when you move this one part of you, another part has a little bit of movement, too. You might feel it in your pelvis Mm -hmm. if your arm moves or if you kick your leg, then it comes back down and hits the ground. You know, this this is like so basic, but little tiny movements mapping your whole self. And that is not just mapping your skeleton and mapping your body, but it's also starting to map your brain because you're Mm -hmm. getting, well, they're also intrinsically mixed. The, the mm-hmm. words go linear, but the concept is really very... Um, interconnected.
0: interconnected. Interconnected, thank mm-hmm. you.
2: Um, so what we're doing is kind of mimicking that random mapping, checking out where you are. And one of the first, again, it's not linear, but the first essential that we talk about in terms of waking up the brain is movement with attention. So we are, doing the we were we are touching the person so they start paying attention to themselves or we're using our language to start to help the person figure out what it is they're doing so if i'm looking at you barbara i say you're you're sitting in the chair your legs are crossed you have your arms crossed too. You have one arm on the other arm's elbow, and your hand is coming up to your face. A yeah, i <laughs> helping everybody be here yeah. in the room with us, yeah. right? Yeah. But suddenly your system says, "Oh yeah, my legs are crossed. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, my arm, my my hand is in the crook of my other elbow, and my hand is my fingers are bent a little bit. And I'm nodding. I'm nodding. And what is that nodding doing? Where do I feel it in my system? If I Ask you using words uh-huh. then you can start to hear that and start to feel it in yourself if we're with a person a little person who maybe um, because you're a grown up you can hear my words you can interpret them
3: sure
2: if it's a little person they might have have a harder time doing that but maybe that's our only access is to use words uh-huh. but if they're willing to be touched it's more direct so I could come to Kathy and say oh with my fingers look here, look here, look here, look how you put your elbow over here. And you're here touching on, her shoulder and, I'm touching and her... her out, and I'm and like, and it, I, it, yeah. I can touch her bones through her skin
0: uh-huh.
2: to get her system to start to become aware of wh- what it's doing
0: uh-huh. right
2: now. So we have a baseline say, this is where you are.
0: So I'm going to stop you just for a second. So is that how you start with everyone regardless of diagnosis? Yes. Yes. So a child comes in with a diagnosis of autism versus cerebral palsy, you're going to still start that same way of where is your body in space right now exactly and trying to help with that brain mapping. That's right. Okay.
3: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, hi, everybody. This is Pam. I haven't said much, but um, I was wondering about, um, thank you for bringing it, like pairing the it's a very different process when someone can understand language versus not. So I appreciate that. But what about when someone can manage touch or not? How that does that look? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, what Kathy was saying about
2: being um, always being safe, mm-hmm. uh, have, having safety as our primary um, intention so that the person feels safe, they don't fall off the table, mm-hmm. they feel comfortable, they feel like they're not being imposed upon. hmm is the number one thing that we have to do. Otherwise the brain is in protection mode. Mm.
0: Fight or flight, freeze, right. yeah. 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 Right.
1: And th- there's no learning, yeah. mm-hmm. you won't, go ahead, okay. Kathy. Oh, well, I just was, as you were talking, Phoebe, I was also thinking of just one of the basic tenets that I think is important for us to say, and it connects with what you were asking, Pam, is that, this sounds very simple, but like basically we're trying to help a brain, a nervous system, anyone, perceive a difference that's a very simple sentence perceiving a difference Mm -hmm. and whether it's through touch and this is often thought about as a movement therapy and I would say that's actually incorrect it's a brain therapy Mm -hmm. so however we can access that system and help that system perceive a difference so if I can't touch you at this moment perhaps through my verbal interaction, perhaps through narrating and how I'm choosing to use my voice. Perhaps you're safe in mom's arms and I can maybe, well, maybe I can touch your knee or I I, I don't know because it -hmm. just depends on the person. Every, Every single person is unique in how they come to us. Even every single time, it's different. And so we have to, figure out where they're at at that moment. Mm -hmm. So it's not an easy question to answer, but basically I'm going to do whatever I can to help your brain perceive a difference. And if you won't let me touch you or don't want, or that's not safe, I'm going to respect that so that when the time comes, the touch will be more meaningful, more powerful. And what do
0: you do instead?
1: Each each person is so different.
3: (laughs) Well, so I don't think this is so different from I mean, we do it in a very different way, obviously, but but it's not so different from anything that we've advocated for because of that safety piece, right? So we're, we're so many people on spectrum feel difference is unsafe. So when you're marrying, when your basis is safety and your goal is to perceive difference, you're laying a foundation for growth no matter what because you're providing a safe environment and you're saying you are a brain that can can perceive this difference right and so I I can hear that however that gets achieved I could see it being of benefit to someone whose brain is not happy about those differences um as a general rule um which is a sweeping generalization about people with autism, but it's true that they like their routines, et cetera. But um, yeah, so well, the concept of safety that... within difference, yeah, yeah, is 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 a brilliant, um, and so so the the vehicle for getting there isn't doesn't have to be, um, I guess, elaborate. If, the, if you stay in that foundation.
0: Well, that's what I like about what I'm hearing, too, is that you are not all, you're meeting them where they are and where their strengths are and what they already can do, and then being able to just do small variations so that the brain can understand right. that and feel safe at the same time, which is right there where so many interventions try and all of a sudden go, oh, we're just going to do this, and you're jumping from zero to 60, like way too fast for somebody who can't perceive those smaller de- differences or feels unsafe when they feel those. right <laughs> or you
3: th- uh, those those interventions that say you're safe we we think you're safe so you're uh, safe right yeah. as opposed to you feel safe yeah that's a good that's good a distinction huge <laughs>
1: distinction very important that you yes yeah.
3: so yeah i mean just because you're in a room with, yeah. a, with a person who's passed a background check doesn't mean you're safe you're... <laughs> <laughs> very true <laughs>
0: So I have, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, and I, I hope it's all right with you that I'm going to throw you some tough cases, which you probably have gotten before, <laughs> but I you know, had yesterday a guy who's 25, completely in his head, and boy, is he one of the most intelligent people that I've ever talked to, but he is talking about how, I mean, he, he realizes that his body freezes when he's thinking. And that he has a hard time doing more than one thing at a time that, you know, he and so then you think of social interactions, you have to be thinking and interacting at the same time. And there's just this like, wow. So I imagine this is what I'd want for him is to kind of realize that those can be integrated. But I'm just curious what if he walked in your office, what would you do? Would you be asking if it's okay to touch him and then be moving him or what would that look like?
1: You want to take this, Stevie?
2: Sure. Okay. Stevie. <laughs> okay. So, with an adult, yeah, um, things look slightly different, although it's the same process. Um, kids are usually all over the place, mm-hmm. and adults usually have the capacity to be more still.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we would start in the same kind of way, because of the holistic nature of the system and the brain. Our job, the job of the brain. This is what Anat likes to say, our teacher. The job of the brain is to put order in the disorder and to make Mm. sense out of the nonsense. I love that. Yeah, the order in the disorder makes sense out of the nonsense. So what's happening for that person is chaos nonsense, right? They're not making this connection between... Thinking, moving their body, their brain, their emotions, their interactions—this yeah. does not compute for their brain. Yep. So what we're looking to do is upgrade the brain. We're looking to make sense out of the nonsense, not necessarily by going to the nonsense, but figuring out where you are right now, mm-hmm. and figuring out. W- we use movement or touch to map again the same kind of things. We would, I would say, put the the person would be lying on their back on the table
0: okay. and we'd
2: figure out what it is that they're doing right now.
0: Oh, in, so just I mean, saying like, you're lying on the table, no, your no. arms are, Could be doing
2: that, especially if they didn't want to be touched. Uh-huh. But if they want to be touched, it's rolling the head just a little bit. Feel what it is that's...
0: Your hands on their head. Our head, hands on their, on their
2: head, their head mo- moving it a tiny little bit.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And we're not talking being in the gym we're not uh-huh. talking exercise class. Yeah. When I think rolling the head, we're not talking yoga. We're talking like could be when we do the movement, we just go as far or we, when we guide the body, we just go as far as we can feel up to any resistance. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's like micromillimeters. It can be so small.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The m- smaller and slower and more gentle we can be, the more you can perceive. Mm hmm. So when we feel something, that person, the brain of the person that we're touching has the opportunity to feel something
1: too. Kathy? Okay. Um, The way we do this, the the way we touch the tenets of our work, the essentials, which we'll probably get to, um, as Phoebe was talking, how gentle and how slow, um, it catches the brain's attention. So when we have that person with us and we're connecting with that person, we can actually, um, help them perceive just the smallest difference. And just like Phoebe was saying, um, and then through that, if we, we back out, if we're not going to, but you have social issues, Mm -hmm. like it's not about that. It's like when the brain organizes, Mm -hmm. then changes happen. So I, I I've, I love to know what's going on for the person. So in just in my intention, I can think about that person being more comfortable in their skin, so to speak, mm-hmm. or whatever. But then they go in the world and they, and their brain integrates mm-hmm. and, th- and changes happen. So it's beautiful in that we know that if the system is learning and we see that and feel that on our tables, we know that there's going to be positive change. Mm-hmm. Exactly where that's going to go. We may not know. Mm-hmm. So that's, can be a challenge because I can't go on and tell, you know, mom or dad, oh, okay, so now with that we've done A, B, and C, now you're going to see X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So so the question is excellent, and it's a little bit hard to answer without well, experiencing. What I'm
3: hearing is that you're setting up that brain to be a more available learner from the world.
0: More aware exactly. and more alive like for
1: those tiny differences Mm -hmm. as they experience even more right I have a story it's not about an older kid but I I I think this might be a good uh, point to put this in yeah um I'm gonna call this little guy Jonathan and he was my first kid on the spectrum Mm. and so this was a long time ago (laughs) I remember feeling super nervous because I didn't know what to expect he was was three at that time he's now I loving (laughs) um so and all I knew was that he was on a spectrum you know things at school were really challenging and um and and that's it that's about it so I I didn't know you know I had my um my perceptions of what I thought I mean oh what if he doesn't make eye contact what if he doesn't want me to touch him what am I going to do and I remember just feeling quite nervous and and he came in and uh for him he had no Exclamation mark! That was what he said. So his response to everything everything was no. Hmm. And uh, so i you know, hi Jonathan. You know, do you want to get on the table? <laughs> no. You know, I was like, <laughs> so i like, okay. So I'm like, so he was kind of like wa- wandering around the room, and I'm thinking, okay, I got to help get him, you know, a little bit of structure. Um, And so um, I had these three little cars and I knew from um, talking with his mother that uh, transportation was important to him and he really (laughs) liked trains. I didn't have trains, but I had little cars and one was red, one was blue, and one was yellow. And so so we were not on the table yet because that was not happening. And so I said, hey, Jonathan, would you like the yellow car? No. And I had them lined up. So I grabbed it really fast fast and it kind of caught his attention so I think just the the big motion and the loud voice caught him a little. I said, okay, Jonathan, do you want the red car? And of course he said, no! (laughs) So I grabbed it and took it away, okay. And then I said, great, you chose the blue. And that was the only one left. So I didn't allow him to say no again. Mm -hmm. And then I said, Jonathan, do you want to push the car? Of course. No. No. So I said, great! I'm gonna push the car, and then I flung it across the table, and it was harder than I expected. It like hit the wall on the other side, and so we all kind of went whoop, and we started to giggle a little bit. And so at that point, there was um, connection and a little bit of laughter, and so we just kind of I I worked my way, you know, like fast forward a little bit into the lesson. He got onto the table, and I was just touching his back and just you know getting to know him, Mm -hmm. and. And I uh, started to talk with him, and then he, you know, we were we were just conversing, yes and no. And then uh, halfway through, Mom leans quietly over, and she says, "He doesn't say yes, but he had said yeah." And and I didn't know because this was the first time I had ever met him. And so then to now to expand back to your question, Barbara, and talking about how Phoebe um, was introducing how we are in our work and on the mm-hmm. table. Uh, for him, that became the perception of a difference. There was a difference. No had Versus meaning. Yes. No yeah. and yes. He found no and yes. And before, like, we all know what the word no means and how it feels <laughs> and how it makes us feel as a parent or at, when we are saying it strongly, how we feel when we say, I don't know if he had meaning there. Uh-huh. I would venture to say he did not. Uh-huh. But then no... I sort of imposed meaning there, which is is, is kind of a strange way to put it, but I, I didn't let him say that again. So then it became a yes, oh, the blue car, and then, oh, I'll throw it across the table. And so he found no and yes in that lesson, which was great. And then you validated
0: what his brain was already doing and gave mm-hmm. meaning to it, too.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it had meaning. Likely, there right. was some sort of, you know, It a might have just or... been a reaction, mm-hmm. but you made it into a response. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one part. But then, now fast forward a little while later, Mom emailed back and said, you know, we had a series of lessons. So that wasn't the only time I saw him. But she was saying, wow, in the three months that I've come, and she was driving from... Um, Eugene. So she would come up for a series and then go home and then come up. So we had a couple of series. And she said, in the three months we've done this work, he's changed more than in his three years. Mm -hmm. And it was potty training and it was transitions at school. And it was, you know, So all these other outcomes happened. And it wasn't just from that one lesson, Mm -hmm. but it was I didn't work on potty training. Right. You know, so that's that idea that the changes can happen. The outcomes can come in other ways. So there, yeah. there might be an adult on your table or an older mm-hmm. child who has social anxiety or blah, 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 you name it. And we're working with how their shoulders are moving and the difference between their right and left shoulder. And you might think, well, what does that have to do with their social anxiety mm-hmm. or whatever, fill in the blank? but it has to do with their brain organizing. And so they might have this other thing. We're working on their movement and their mapping and their connections and then outcomes.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: So that was that, that little story. That yeah, I think, that was you know. a
0: perfect story because it also helps us understand, you know, if somebody is, I know that in the book she talks about that some movements you can't see. Um where it's cognitive movement or, you know, exactly. um, that you, and social movement and things like that that can come from some of the neuro movement stuff from the sessions. So um, you mentioned with that guy that you saw him, um, they drove two hours to come mm-hmm. see you just for listeners who might not be in our area um, to see you. How often would they come in? You said it was like a series because I know you also do intensives and things like that. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. (laughs) So
2: each child needs a different schedule, but we can create packages or create a schedule for anybody who's coming for lessons that will optimize the chance that they will experience a learning um, situation, which is um, cumulative rather than having to go back to remembering what it was you learned the last time. Mm.
0: So one person once a month might be they can carry it over but other younger it would need to be closer together probably is that what you're saying yes and
2: learning happens best when it's kind of in an immersive situation and Mm -hmm. sometimes that's called an intensive Mm -hmm. uh we we changed our collective package to be calling it an immersion immersion rather than intensive because intensive gives the the impression of difficult
0: In Mm -hmm. a way, and we wanted
2: to feel that immersive learning—that learning that comes when you get a little bit at a time, and you can integrate it and carry on from what you just learned Mm -hmm. to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The 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 system of having like once a week lessons or once a month lessons—it's like if you were reading a novel. And you read one chapter, and then the next week you come <laughs> back to read the next chapter, and you realize that you actually need to go back and read yeah. the first chapter again <laughs> because all you, the time. yeah. <laughs> and you can really see it in in language acquisition with children or with mm-hmm. with when you're learning a language. You really need to be really in it in order to, and have frequent visitations of the information, yeah. um, or to the information, uh, in order to in order for it to be cumulative Mm -hmm. and so we set up um a series of lessons for you Mm -hmm. and that might look like um a few lessons a a couple lessons a day for a few days in a row um, so that you have maybe five lessons in one week and then you come back for another five lessons the next week or you take a week off and you take the five lessons in the third week, say, Mm -hmm. week one, week two off, week three, um, five more lessons. Or we have our immersion, which we call a three for three immersion, which um, we do together and that's in over three days. We do nine lessons in that time. So you have three lessons a day, some for some people, that's too much. Those lessons are a bit shorter, but still it's too much for their brain. It ends up being too overwhelming. So we really want to tailor the learning to the per actual person. Uh-huh. Because there's no point in trying to do something if it's too much. It yeah. becomes unsafe. Mm-hmm. It becomes yeah. t- too chaotic for the system. Um,
0: so sessions in the 3-to-3 three three immersion are 3-4-3 3 four, three, two, four, 3 like perfect. Oh, there you <laughs> when go. You, when you get perfect. Oh, there <laughs> Right. Um, <laughs> are around 20 minutes each session, right? How how long are the other ones, like if it's not an immersion? And I know it probably depends on the person. It totally but...
2: depends on the person. You know, we really gauge how long we're going to work with someone when the person we're working with is there in front of us and we're working mm. with them. Because... Um,
0: but do you schedule an hour, and then if it is shorter, that's okay, kind of thing, or we how do schedule
2: you... forty-five minutes, oh, okay. and mm-hmm. um, if it's shorter, which it probably will be,
3: mm-hmm.
2: we ask that the the adults who have brought the child recognize that there is a point at which you cannot put in more information, mm-hmm. in, at which it becomes chaos again, mm-hmm. and that we need to. Definitely um, respect the brain of the person who we're working with. If you think as an adult, um, the analogy that I like to use is going to an amazing art gallery. You get to the first, you get to the I first room your and you're like, oh my goodness, yeah. all these French Impressionistic uh, painters and they're right there in the room with me. Look, there's Monet. This is the Monet wor- room. It's amazing. Like I have never seen these in person. I've seen them in books. It's incredible. Oh my, look, look at the brush technique. Look at the colors. Look at the images. <laughs> look at those flowers. Look at the waves coming out of the ocean. Yeah. And then They made that with just paint on the, on the canvas. And then you go to the next room and it's Renoir and you're like,
1: wow. Uh-huh. oh here comes Maggie <laughs> she wanted to hear about the art
2: too
0: <laughs> when anybody gets really animated, really she animated. To join us. That's our dog. <laughs> um,
2: that you get to the Renoir and you're like oh wow this is so different and amazing like I've only yeah. seen these in a book and you're like looking at these paintings and you're taking them and you get to the third room and you're like oh my goodness here's some Van Gogh oh, I'm so excited to see Van Gogh and oh my goodness look at his brush technique and look at the colors and look at this and look at that and look at this and this it's and then you get to the fourth room and it's michelangelo and you'll get i mean the presence of this great master and then you get to the fifth room and you're like oh my god this this is who is this again and then you get to the sixth room and then you get to the ninth room and they get to the 14th room and you're like i need a granola bar and and i need to get out of here and you totally don't even remember what was in what was that first room (laughs) yeah you know that you're just overload of amazing information
0: yeah
2: and you don't know what to do with it and it becomes a mush that's
0: so we we like to we like to
2: get to the point at which there's there's maybe even a little bit of room for some more, but we stop. Yeah. And we get the granola bar at that point. And we yeah. say, we're going to so looking forward to seeing you at your next lesson. And it might be later today, and it might be tomorrow.
0: So I'm going to use that, if that's okay, to jump off into the nine essentials, because in order to read that moment, you probably have to be using the nine essentials, right? Excellent. (laughs) You know, yeah, so, um, because it is, what I love about, what I, little I know about the nine essentials is that it's just, it's so much about attuning to that child, that, or person, to be able to know, because they may not always know when that moment is, or maybe they do, but you're helping them know that, (laughs) right? (laughs) So, with that, what are the nine essentials?
1: Okay, well, I'll start, um. I would, I would describe the nine essentials as the gateway to the nervous system. And it's the way that we can help the brain perceive a difference, right? So it's like, that's kind of a simple, but um, and I'll talk about the first few because I think they're so, um, so accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, Phoebe mentioned movement with attention. So if you're in the automatic place, that's an automatic place. It's not in a learning place. So slowing down. And asking that system to feel and to look for what's going on, to, to move with attention. And perhaps that with a child, it, it might be with my touch,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? So when I touch your back, your brain goes, oh, there's there's my back, mm-hmm. right? so Or verbalizing. Or verbalizing, right? exactly. Yeah, right. okay. And then um, super... Um, simple here, it's, it's slow. You have to slow down mm-hmm. in order to learn something new. We can only do what we already know fast. So if you're trying to do something new fast, it's, you're just going to revert back to old habits, and that's mm-hmm. not what we're going. So in this yeah. space, it's a learning place, and mm-hmm. so we slow down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Phoebe also mentioned how gentle and how the the, the gentler, the subtler, the um, the smaller we can touch a person or connect to that system, that would catch the brain's attention in, that, in, in a different way, but in, the, in that same light of, of, oh, like, what's that? Like, you know, I can press really hard and it, it, it's like mush, or I can touch very softly. And it's almost like calls on the system. And so you get that feeling of, what's that? What's that? And that, there's that, you can, even you're connected, you're, you're into that system. So when you're gentle, That catches the brain's attention. So I can
0: imagine for somebody with attention deficit, for example, that would be so powerful right there Mm -hmm. of just learning how do I slow down or what does that feel like to slow down or any of that. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I'm reading that correctly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, so you had asked in, in this last question, like how do you know when the child has had enough? Yeah. Or the person has had enough? And yes, we need to use the nine essentials, or we need to use our training in order to know when, um, Mm -hmm. when that moment is. But usually it's when the person stops perceiving differences, Mm. stops Mm -hmm. being in the room with Mm. you and, or, or might need to be fed or needs, needs a change, gets fussy, needs to have some kind of change. And then we, we evaluate it's very um, organic evaluation. We evaluate well, where they're at.
0: I can relate because, you know, I kind of look a little bit more like counseling sessions and with um, people, and when they start looking at the clock or they start, like, right. where you can just see their gaze shift, those kinds of things where you go, okay, I think, I think that's enough. I think we've, we've reached capacity.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. I would say it's more intuitive. It just You kind of feel... It's like, oh, yeah, we're done. Yeah. Time to
0: integrate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean, To time to integrate? Like within the session or
1: time to integrate by saying goodbye? And oh, it could be both. Into, okay. It could be, you know, for little ones, that like Phoebe was mentioning, they can get so hungry or and they might <laughs> just need a little hug or emotionally yeah. or they might need a little snack and we take our hands off and we have a little break and then we can come back. Or sometimes it's the the signal that it's the the... Our time for this lesson is done. So that, okay. again, it depends on how long we worked and what we've been feeling and how okay. they're doing. So that's not yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've said we so, yeah, essential
0: so we one is movement with attention. Essential two is slow. And subtle is gentle. Subtle, so, gentle. so we talked a little bit about
2: that. Okay. Um, that's essential three. And again, the, because of the nature of our language, we have to put all of these um, essentials, I mean, we're able to number them and they're in a certain order, but in actuality they are, they are, you choose, you use them all. Uh Kind of like that artwork. That's artwork, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So these first three are, um, they're interesting. The the whole, the the system of the essentials is interesting because some are conceptual and some are mechanical and some are, um, Mm. Mechanical but also conceptual Mm. Um, So the first one yeah attention slow subtle and then variation and variation is either how you Variation how you've done something or what you're doing? Mm -hmm. so that you can change How you're playing with a toy or you can change the toy and how and what you're doing with it um
0: so I think what you mean is like with variation, you're mixing in the others of subtle. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, they're all slow. mixed together like a big recipe. <laughs> yeah. So what
2: we do is we take the essentials and we we pepper whatever we're doing mm-hmm. or we spice up what we're doing mm-hmm. um, by bringing in these techniques mm-hmm. to, to create the possibility of perceiving differences.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So after that one, so attention, movement of attention, slow, subtle variation, we have the next one that comes in the list uh, is flexible goals. And that is the concept of, it's totally fine to have a goal and we need to have flexibility around that goal or how we are going to get to our the goal, what, and what the goal maybe is. If we have a preconceived notion of how we are going to get to the goal, we would have done that already. I mean, we've probably already tried. And if we haven't had success, it's because maybe we need to do something differently.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: and Or we might need
0: more information. Or we, we might need, need more information. Giving the system information. So... When you're talking about goals, are you thinking about goals that they come in with or are your goals that need to be flexible? So you may have a goal coming into a session that you need to be flexible with like a teacher. You start the day and if you have goals that you, you know, have to be
1: flexible with them. Like is that which one do you mean? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> We're asking parents to have flexibility and you know, of course we all want The best life for that person that we love in front of us. Mm -hmm. And how, again, how we get there, how far we, like,
3: we don't know what that is. So it's flexible goals on all ends. Uh I mean, it speaks to your specific example of we schedule for 45 minutes, but it might only last 20 because that's when your child is done. So I feel like that is a, you know, one example, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. If you're really thinking about, um, Staying in a, a space of safety and learning, then yeah, you would have to be flexible because you don't know when that's going to end. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a concept in our society that more is better, and just yeah. like my my art gallery analogy, um, it's apl- applicable in all areas mm-hmm. of our life. More mm-hmm. is not necessarily better. Mm-hmm. Um, for that particular, well, yeah, it all. So then the next one is enthusiasm. Now, this enthusiasm is not, like, pom-pom-wielding, wheel- um, cheerleading. cheerleading. Yeah. Right? The enthusiasm is an internal...
3: Is it a lot of good job? No. <laughs> Sorry. We have a little bit of a trigger about a good job. We don't have any good job in our business.
2: <laughs> we have, you know, uh, I look at my own children and... I, I see just generally in parenting, there's so much, good job, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's like, what the, you just did the thing. <laughs> yeah, so what I say to my kids is, you did it. <laughs> right. I was just I
0: listening to Alfie mm-hmm. Cohn, do you know him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the, the podcast I was just listening to where he was, you know, saying exactly that, like, we're just, we're so stuck in this, like, consequence-based, like, good mm-hmm. job, that Yeah. yeah. And so that's exactly what he would say to do is yeah you did that and it was
1: you know you made colors on the paper right. yeah. or yeah. Look whatever at you. there you yeah. go yeah you're a person who colors yeah <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> you named it, you're named it. Exactly. exactly and also when you're saying good job or do it again it becomes about you or mom you know, so if the parents asking or a caregiver or whoever is asking that person to do it again, and all of a sudden there's that, oh, if I do this, that makes that person happy. It becomes about it them versus them. the experience that they're yeah. having. And very and, and especially if it's a new outcome or a new learning, a new achievement for that person, they may or may not know even how they got there. And so it's a very Mm -hmm. internal, personal thing and letting them have that experience because they may may not be able to recreate it at this moment because it's a spontaneous learning. And so when you go, woohoo, you know, (laughs) good (laughs) job, then it takes them out of their Mm -hmm. experience. So enthusiasm, it's a a
3: multi-leveled, yeah, essential. Well, I mean, in your example with Jonathan and the cars, Mm -hmm. you were... I mean, it's, in my mind, the word energetic comes to mind, mm-hmm. right? You you had energy and, and enthusiasm for making a connection and getting through whatever barriers he was putting up, but mm-hmm. whatever no's he was putting up. So in that way, you were enthusiastic. You weren't saying, you weren't yeah. fussing about the no, right? right. Enthusiastic, you know, and, and looking for, again, back to flexible goals. So mm-hmm. um, that makes a lot of sense to me.
2: So the next... Uh, essential is also a very conceptual um, notion and that is the learning switch which is less easy to to describe but it's a concept it's not an actual switch anywhere it's a concept about being in a learning place and maybe learning brain or
0: is that does that get into like when you can tell when they're no longer I and mean, when they're at capacity their learning switch has it's gone off yeah off. Mm-hmm. and so yeah. needing to be in tune with I mean as a practitioner needing to be in tune with what it means for them to be on
1: mm-hmm I don't know yeah actually I'm gonna jump in here because yeah, I love a term that Phoebe uses so I'm gonna Do share it. that with you and, and you, you see it when you're working with a child and, and their eyes are kind of off and uh, one might think they're checked out, right? Mm-hmm. They're looking away but you can absolutely tell that the, the way Phoebe described it is, is they're checked in into themselves, mm-hmm. they're feeling themselves they're, it's it's really amazing and you I mean love it. You mean it's not about eye contact? It's not about <laughs> eye contact it's that feeling and then I love when the parent goes oh I can tell they're learning the gear I I often hear oh I can see the gears going yeah that's that's a a term we'll hear often when the parents can notice oh yeah the gears Uh are turning I can see that they're thinking or they're learning or whatever they choose to Mm you know but that's the learning switch you can see it you can feel it if it's kind of hard to describe and then you can also see and feel when it it's not there
2: yeah um the next essential is imagination and dreams and this is for use for everybody. All, all of them are for use with everybody. But when we are working with a, ourselves, when we're when we when we we are using our imagination and our dreams for the for the person on our table, um, and we're looking to elicit their imagination and their dreams too. Mm-hmm. And having having an imagination, having dreams is the precursor for anything. Mm-hmm. Right. If you couldn't imagine going to the moon, we never would have got there.
0: So, kind of thinking about the future in general. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But you know, the future might mean um, coming to standing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to mean doing space travel. But if you have a concept of how something could happen, then it, maybe it could happen. If you um, if you don't have any any kind of thinking around. Maybe this is I don't know. Maybe you should talk about imagination and dreams. Well, no, I'll need I need to, to imagine that. it a bit more so I can talk <laughs> about it a bit more. Um,
1: it's this is a hard one to talk about. So, um, but I think what when I hear you start, Phoebe, what comes to mind is um, the the dreams part of it is not having the limitation of let's say milestones, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my child's not doing this by. Too, so they're never going to do that. Mm-hmm. So throwing that out the door and having that possibility, not necessarily knowing when or how or if it will ever happen, but that it, if we have a learning system, then learning will happen and something will be possible. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of that realm. And also imagination. Um, there's the whole side of it. And this is a little bit more with adults, but if you can't do something, and you can imagine it, it's doing it in your brain. The brain doesn't know Mm. the difference between the actual physical movement and the visualization or imagination. So again, that's a little bit more when you have adults or if you have someone who's injured and can't move something, you can imagine the movement. And what's so beautiful about Mm. that is that you can imagine something so easy or light or Graceful or fluid, like you pick the adjective. Mm -hmm. But if I have a shoulder that's injured and I can't move it and it's painful or it's clunky or hard, I can imagine it in a whole different way, and it doesn't take the physical energy of the muscles to move it. And so, uh, it's so powerful.
0: Yeah, I love that, and you know, I know there's a few of us in here who are um, sports minded. Mm -hmm. I was a gymnast, and that was what how I would always kind of prep for what I was going to do was to imagine it. And so this mm-hmm. brings it into, you know, kind of the smaller movements, and especially through injury or through mm-hmm. um, development. It's just, you know, I think a lot of us in different probably realms have this, uh, what is that, what's that called? Isn't there a name for that when you're like imagining yourself doing visualization visualization? visualization. <laughs> yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. Well, the other...
3: Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that there's that... The research on um, video modeling, where you watch yourself or you watch someone else mm-hmm. doing it and the mirror neuron—is it mirror neurons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mirror neurons are firing. So it's it's a different. You're it's mm. a self video, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. and with yeah.
1: phantom pain.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. There's there's, that. there's the idea of looking and imagining, and or if there's. Uh, so I know someone who has a um, a ner- nerve damage, and his PT was telling him to visualize his no to fire his good leg and that would and then visualize his bad leg firing like to maximize that nerve regeneration.
1: Hmm. Actually that's a great point and I'll just briefly touch on that is that we also uh, start or uh, with the easiest place so if someone has an injury or let's say with cerebral palsy if like one side is more affected we might go to the other side and that might seem counterintuitive but we're going to go to the side that's more ready for learning Mm -hmm. you know kind of Mm -hmm. like a cheat sheet for us it's like we're going to access a system where it's easier for us Mm -hmm. and that system to perceive the difference Mm -hmm. and then we'll visit the other side but it's it's
3: really starting from Mm -hmm. where you do have that access that is always my default approach to Problem solving, as I said, I always, right? Mm -hmm. It's always my thing, I'm like, what's working? What's working and what can we borrow from what's working to challenge what's, or to to come into what's not working. That's
0: I. I'd like to dive just a little bit deeper into the imagination and dreams because that is such, you know, back to my 25 year old, it's a common one for me lately is 18 to whatever, right? Where they've had, they've experienced so much failure of looking into the future and trying to do things and not having it be what they thought it was going to be and things like that. So does that touch on that at all in micro ways? Like... Do you feel like that would affect that system, I guess, is what I'm trying to...
3: Well, maybe are you asking what's the connection between that kind of deficit for that person and your work? Is that maybe what sure. you're asking?
0: Yes, that works. <laughs> 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 okay, so It's just such a big one for families because right. they, mm-hmm. you know, see their kids of not being able to kind of motivate themselves anymore. Right.
2: I would uh, bring us back to the concept of the job of the brain putting order in the mm-hmm. disorder and any place that you can get order, mm-hmm. it's going to have effect on the rest of the brain. Mm-hmm. So if you think of an injury, um, when that injury is resolved, all sorts of things happen. So when you have the injury, um, it takes you, it takes all of your attention. Mm-hmm. It take it, it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and it starts to affect your, your, social life Mm -hmm. and it affects your sleeping Mm -hmm. and it affects how happy you are and it affects your relations with other people Mm -hmm. and whether you know it or not Mm -hmm. when that injury is or pain is resolved you forget that it was even there Mm -hmm. and then sometimes you need to do some adjusting to remember that life is easy actually it doesn't have to be difficult you've you probably be been, you've been holding it. that mm-hmm. place that that was was painful mm-hmm. and l- getting rid of that holding mm-hmm. holding yourself together and finding where you are on your skeleton say finding new organization of how your system works mm-hmm. um, can bring about new Epiphanies in other areas Mm -hmm. of your life in your relationships Mm -hmm. in your eating patterns in your sleeping patterns in your emotions in your thinking in the way you get work done how productive you are where you see patterns and Mm -hmm. It's it's so holistic that when Mm -hmm. we say we don't go in to fix something in particular Mm -hmm. we go in to upgrade the brain so the brain Mm -hmm. the brain is a self-organizing system Given enough rich information under the right conditions, the brain will figure out making the connections. Yeah, And if it needs new connections, it needs new information. It's an information system. It's not a mechanical system. It's not something we can go in and like, oh, now you're going to think about... Um, this particular subject physics or uh, you know I know calculus or spelling or potty training or whatever now you're going to think about that and now you're going to think about it differently we don't go in like that we go in to upgrade the brain's capacity to make its own connections given Mm -hmm. enough information rich information under these conditions
0: There's probably a lot of people listening who can relate to the, like, operating system computer needing to upgrade. (laughs) So I like that. (laughs) that. Reboot the system,
2: reorganize the system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um... I'd like to kind of move us into summarizing, and one thing that I'd really—I know you had some questions about ideal client and things like that—that that I don't know if you wanted to ask those, PM. Can I stop you one second? because yeah. you have one more, right?
3: And oh, sorry, sorry. Number just counting along with us. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, so number nine has You're not. Number nine. Decide.
1: Briefly, awareness—that's awareness—is the glue yeah. that holds it all together, and I don't know. Can we... That's awesome. Can we just say that and then move on? Sure. Aware of being
2: aware. Aware of... Of... Aware.
0: Helping them be aware. You being aware of them.
2: Mm -hmm. And your awareness around it affects my awareness around it. Like, say, Mm -hmm. if I was the child. The parents... The parents' awareness has an effect on um, just... the, The parents... Being has an effect on a
0: child. So let's use that as the jump off. So if parents listening or professionals are listening and they're curious to learn more, what would what would they need to do for um, either accessing more information about the method and then accessing the two of you?
1: Okay, let's start with general. Uh, you can of course go on the Anat Bonell website. Okay, we'll but make sure I have that in the yeah. show notes too. Yeah. Um, you know, we also have our own websites that has that have information. Um, but I would highly, highly recommend Anat's book. It's her second book. It's called Kids Beyond Limits. <laughs> that is an amazing read for all parents. Um, I often say this should be like the the go to baby shower gift for any. Pregnant mama. Um, I agree. It, it, goes it really the is about essentials. Uh, yeah, and. it's optimal development, and you know the the subtitle here. It's right here. I'll read the subtitle: Kids Beyond Limits, the results for children with autism, Asperger's, brain damage, ADHD, and undiagnosed developmental delays. And so when I talk about this to a parent, I say, okay, that's a little scary, maybe, especially if you're pregnant, you know, and you're, uh, of course, expecting a neurotypical kid. But this is such an amazing read. It's about how to just let your kids develop, you know, what you, so, so I think that would be, I recommend that to every single parent who comes my way.
0: I'll make sure to have that link Mm -hmm. in there, too. And then how do they get in touch with you? Well, we both have um, websites.
2: Uh, mine is brilliantmovement.net, okay. and Kathy's is movabilities.com. And we together have a Facebook page Okay. Uh, for our collabor- collaboration, mm-hmm. which is called ABM Northwest. <laughs> so you'd find us at ABM Northwest.
0: Together. Uh, together, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if somebody were curious about it, how, would they contact... One, like, how does that work? It's a
2: little confusing.
0: <laughs> but we, <laughs> we can work make it we are here. We, we were to.
2: collaboratively. So if you contacted me, okay. I would make sure that Kathy knew about it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we are we work fluidly between us, even though we have our own businesses. We uh-huh. feel like it's to everyone's advantage to see both of us. Yes. Okay. Because, okay. because my brain thinks differently than Kathy's brain. Even though we have, have the same training and we might speak speak it, have a different accent you may see
0: right. different we, things. we, we, we see different, different
2: things different we have different things, yeah. focuses we and we just bring a different lens
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, to the work mm-hmm. and that's get more information right. is always a good idea plus we collaborate with each other talk about your child with each other to see where do you think that we should move Forward with this child, and what do you think we we collaborate? We our creative juices work together so that we can bring the best to your child.
0: Yeah, um, and I know I have um, the podcast is considered international. There's people all over the world listening to it. Do you travel, or do people travel to you? I have, you know. I have, for example, I have a client that's in another state where I looked, is there anybody, you know, using the method? And there isn't. Right. right. So how yes. does that work?
1: Well, Portland's a fabulous destination. to <laughs> do. There's so much to do and you can come for neuro movement. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do believe there was a, a moment in time when I was first trained, this is Kathy again, um, where I was the only person in Oregon and then um, who was a not Bunyell method trained. Uh-huh. And, but now there's, there's. A few of us here in the Portland area, there's someone in southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we do travel here and there, but nothing mm-hmm. hugely big. Like, I go to Eugene every mm-hmm. once in a while, and I go to Newport sometimes. So if there's mm-hmm. a group of families that get together and bring us, well, that's, that's yeah, a possibility. Okay. Um, so that's yeah, sort good of good case by case. Okay.
2: Um, yeah, it's hard to, mm-hmm. when you don't live somewhere, to arrange for a, a number of families to get together. But if enough families come and say they want to have the work, then it's worth our while to make the, do the travel. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been incredible to get to know a little bit more mm-hmm. about the Not Banal Method and your work. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having us. Yes. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Synergy Autism podcast, where we are bringing people together to talk autism. And if you'd like more, please go to our website at synergyautismcenter.com. You will find a lot of information, blog posts, courses you can take, and more. Again, synergyautismcenter.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y. And...